Welcome to episode 20 of the Travelling Wellness Show. Every day I feel calls and emails from people who are completely dissatisfied with their local GP and at the point of losing faith in the entire medical system. With so much them versus us constantly dividing the natural and allopathic modalities, you can hardly blame the end consumer when they literally don't know where to turn when their health takes a turn for the worst. But you need not despair anymore as more and more doctors are breaking away from the mainstream and starting to consider all of you within the treatment paradigm. Despite the fact that once upon a time this was simply best practice, it certainly feels like a different time and place now as people struggle in ways that medicine can't always define nor fully rectify with drugs alone. Let me introduce you to Dr. Kylie Dodsworth, an integrative medicine practitioner from South Australia who combines her extensive medical knowledge with a deeper understanding of life and our roles within it. Dr. Kylie is a breath of fresh air and simply put, a medical practitioner of the highest standard. And let me clarify, just for the record, I serve the people, not the agenda. And in so, this isn't an attack on general practice. More a reminder that complex states of dysfunction always require complex solutions for true healing to occur. Love you guys. Please enjoy the show. You are listening to Caravan Conversations with Shannon Brenton. If this is your first time listening, then thanks for coming. Caravan Conversations is proudly produced by PSE Supplements and explores general health, nutrition and lifestyle with one of Australia's most experienced clinicians. Now, let's get into the show. All right, we're live and recording. Welcome everyone to this episode of Caravan Conversations. I'm Shannon Brenton, your host and owner of PC Supplements. And today I'm streaming from 32 Kensington Road in Rose Park, a suburb of South Australia, um, Adelaide in fact, where I am at the Centre for Health and Wellbeing with Dr. Kylie Dodsworth. Welcome Kylie to the show. Thanks Shannon, it's great to be here. Yeah, really good to have you. Um, Shout out first, I guess. Um, Kerwin Ray put yes. us in contact with each other. So Kerwin, someone that we uh, we share in common from a business perspective. Thank you to the K Man for uh, putting us into um, connection with each other. And just for you guys listening, this is how podcasts work. So if you're someone I should be talking to, if you've got a story to tell, uh, if you've got a tale around innovation, um, overcoming adversity, um, you know, triumph, anything great like that. Um, please reach out. And if you know someone, same thing. If you've got people in your circle who are doing amazing things that uh, the world needs to hear from, please uh, reach out and let me know so I can travel around the country and talk to these people and bring cool stories to you listeners. Um, Kylie, before we start, we're here to talk integrative medicine and we'll get to that in just a moment. But I think that when people are hearing from a person who has got a a very uh, large legacy involved in their career, it's often nice to hear uh, the person's individual why. So if you don't mind, I'm just going to quote, unquote, something I pulled off the uh, the internet from you. Good old internet, it's good for everything, isn't it? It is. Um, You said, I know that that things most important to me in my life are living in alignment with my higher purpose connecting deeply with others and continuing to learn and expand my own consciousness. My philosophy for health healthcare reflects my belief that true healing involves much more than simply managing symptoms. Very deep. (laughs) And, and you know what, quite profound for what a lot of people would expect from the average GP. 
Tell us about you, Kylie. Where, where did this kind of philosophy, where did this deeper understanding of life come from? Yeah, look, I think I feel blessed in some ways in that I, I've always had a sense that there's more to life than you know just what meets the eye and that um, there's an inner drive in me to understand that at a deeper level and to experience that and to share that journey with other people. Yep. Uh, I think I actually – I started – riding horses at a young age, absolutely enamoured with them and just loved that whole experience. And it's really interesting because there's an e- a field of equine therapy that starts to emerge now as well. Is that well. right? Yes. Wow. A lot of people learning about their own behaviours and patterns through working with horses, which is fascinating. Uh, but for me, that was just a natural thing that happened. And I think when you're communing with an animal mm. and you have to connect uh, and be in unity, then there's a a whole level of consciousness that has to happen. There has to be an awareness in every moment. What's happening now? What's happening now? How do I communicate that? What are they saying to me? Mm. Where are we going? How are we doing it? And horses and aren't dogs, right? They're, they're not dogs. They're not just they're, throwing it out there. They're, they're exactly. They're intelligent creatures. They're powerful creatures. And yet they're actually very happy to be in alignment with somebody provided you actually connect with them. Mm. So I think, you know, for me that was just a, a natural evolution of something that I absolutely loved and felt called to. Yeah, And so that was from a young age all the way through and uh, I became a horse riding instructor through my uni years to help, really? help fund the way. Good. Uh, so I think there was that and um, I then I, I just started to do a lot of reading around different um, spiritual practices and around that whole field of personal development from a very young age as well and then got, got involved in an international youth organisation which was about entrepreneurship and um, how to serve community, which just um, really tied into where I was at. And that's sort of based on a philosophy called psychosynthesis, okay. which is an interesting philosophy that it brings people into a state of looking at not just what we call the unconscious, which people often think about when they do therapy, you know, what's driving me that I'm not aware of, but it's often delving into more of the negative aspects. And psychosynthesis brings in the superconscious as well. So it's actually then tapping into the higher qualities around hope and um, gratitude and inspiration and how do we actually tap into the unconscious of those things too. So tell me this, if, if you were this aware young, you did a science degree, I think you completed it in 92, um, you completed medicine in 97, so you've obviously gone straight from science to medicine. What was it about medicine that appealed to someone who's so much more evolved on a spiritual level than would generally be you know, accepted in a GP? You know, it was an interesting, yeah, good question. It was an interesting journey because it wasn't actually, at the time, I, I actually started to do science because I wanted to go into veterinary science because I wanted to work with horses. Mm. That was my passion. That, that makes sense. And in Adelaide, you couldn't study that. You had to do uh, a year here and then apply to Melbourne, mm-hmm. or you could move to Perth and do it. So I thought I'll go to Melbourne. So I started doing first year science. And um, I actually did a lot of medical subjects in that year got towards the end of the year and I thought, I don't want to leave. Um, what can I do? Maybe I'll go into medicine instead. So it was actually felt like a sideways step in that way. But it's interesting because when we look back at things, we often get a lot more insight into them. Mm. And I know that I always had that interest in sort of the psychology of people, the, 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 the contextual side of things. You know, why you? Why here? Why now? And, uh, you know, for me, going into medicine, it was always an awareness that that's actually what I was interested in. Mm. I knew I had to do the hard yards to get there and had to somewhat survive the hospital experience, if you like, where it was much more about, you know, getting a job done and get people in and get people out. It wasn't about the context of them. So that's why general practice was always going to be where I'd be heading. Yes. Because you get to see people in their life. You get to see people over periods of time and you get to really have a relationship with them. Mm. And so that's what I was interested in. And looking back on it, it's interesting too because the science degree, I actually majored in pharmacology, so I learned a 
whole lot about that other side of things. And then I went into medicine and learned the, you know, the straight medical model. But then I had my own ph- philosophy and belief and my own readings and my own experiences. And tying all those three things together has allowed me to really do what I do in integrative medicine, which is actually in heaven, isn't it? quite detailed science, but you have to bring in the mind, body and the spirit to make it actually truly about healing. So, At any phase of the learning, when you're having the you know, allopathic mindset rammed down your throat, because obviously that's, you know, that's how it works, and that, that's great. At any point did that aspect in you waver at all? Did you ever start to, I guess, question things and, and, and bring your mind into looking at things how a general GP would? Or was there always that deep underlying spiritual component? Yeah, no, I always, I always had the other aspect there. And yeah. yeah, I guess I'd also learnt, you know, quite a lot of meditation and things as well. So I could stay present to what was happening. I could also try and understand what they were, you know, why they were teaching what they were teaching, where that was coming from. And you know, one of the things I've really learned over time is how to sort of stay neutral and how to stay central so you can get an overview of what's happening. So, yeah, Kerwin would like that. He loves that, exactly. <laughs> He's got a, a wonderful model around that All with a pendulum. Neutrality, exactly right. Yeah, and I think it's a lovely it's a lovely analogy for how to do that. So I was willing to learn. Um, I'm not saying I didn't have tough times. There certainly were times where it was, you know, it was pretty hard, but also long hours and high pressured. Mm-hmm. Um, but I kind of knew that at the end of the day, it was giving me a credibility that if I really wanted to affect change in this world, I needed to have that basis of credi- credibility. Yes. So I kind of had a sense of that going through as well, that this, is, this has got a bigger picture role here. I need to get this done. Got to play the game. So I can do what I need to do, but I can come from a place that straddles both worlds. Yes. Tell me, um, you've been all over, you mm-hmm. know, so I saw you did like mm-hmm. a, uh, your last year over in Zimbabwe of all places. You've worked in, you know, regional, um, um, Aboriginal communities. You've had multiple practices all over mm-hmm. the place. Mm-hmm. Tell us about uh, how practice has changed for you f- from what it was in the beginning to what it's become now. Yeah, well, I guess in the beginning I still had to do the medical things, but that's one of the reasons why I did what I did is that I was interested in looking at, you know, a bit more outside the, the, the basic model of just in the door, out the door. Yep. Um, you would have started, though, with the same time constraints of any GP, though, right? Yep, that's yep. right. So people are yep. in and out, 15 minutes type thing. That's right. But I selected practices and experiences that allowed for a bit more um, sort of flexibility in that, if you like. So okay. my general practice training, um, I did work up on the Murray River, as you said, in Manham. Um, so that was fairly, um, well, it was fairly straight medicine, but it was also fascinating too because in a rural practice you get to do all of the aspects, including admission to hospital yep. and follow them through that way. So for me that offered a bit more context too. It wasn't just a farm them off to the specialist. I was the person that would do, you know, here they come in with a heart attack. I can sort of bring them through that process, admit them, teach them talk to the family, mm. get them out the other side of that and then see them for follow-up. So there was also that holistic approach in that sense or the, or the contextual approach there. And in the Aboriginal communities, it wasn't so much about medicine, it was really just about health. And, uh, yeah. you know, I ended up doing a lot of teaching of um, PE for the kids and, you know, did volleyball courses with them and other things and around a women's health, you know, discussion and things like that. So it wasn't actually about clinic work, it was really about how can I serve this community yeah. while I'm here and what, what will they receive because that's, you know, much more important too. And, um, yeah, I think some of the other general practice postings I worked in a, a city practice that actually worked with homeless people. So again, I could sort of just sort of reach out in a different way. Yeah. And uh, I had a supervisor that um, did a lot of hypnosis. So that was another way to just sort of do longer consultations and start to bring that in as well. Uh, yep. But as soon as I finished my training, I actually went into practice with a, a naturopath and a chiropractor 
And that sort of began the, the journey of how I ended up where I am. Was that here in Adelaide or elsewhere? No, that was here in Adelaide, yeah. Okay. yeah. Tell me, how, mm. how were you? Um, obviously, it's different now. We're here at the Centre for Health and Wellbeing where, by the way, it's the most gorgeous property, isn't it? Seriously. <laughs> Thank uh, you. Adelaide's got some of the best, uh, you know, some of the best real estate I reckon yeah. I've ever seen. It's beautiful gorgeous. Beautiful buildings, yeah. It's beautiful old building, guys. It's just mm. amazing. So mm. yeah, it's a testament to you. But mm. um, how were you received in the early days? Not so much now, people coming in knowing they're you know, not getting a bulk build experience, knowing that they're getting a longer consultation, um, going to your website and seeing who and what you are. So mm-hmm. people have obviously got a level of awareness about what an experience with someone like yourself is going to be like. In the early days, though, mm-hmm. you're the 15-minute GP. Mm-hmm. Uh, I know mm-hmm. that you're in some, some clinics where you know, that was expanding somewhat, but still... Um, people are coming in expecting, you know, prescriptions and band-aids and mm-hmm. you're starting to talk about um, deeper components of mm-hmm. the self. Mm-hmm. How was that received? It was actually really well received. I think, you know, the issue's never been about people being open to it. It's about being, you know, in a structure that's open to it or not open to it. Yeah. So I would, you know, if somebody was sitting in front of me, I'd always, you know, spend longer. You know, I wasn't just straight to the symptom, what's going on. It was also, okay, that's interesting. And are there other things happening in your life at the moment, you know, where... Uh, are there stresses that are happening? Uh, what else can we do about this? Yes, we can do this, you know, medical management, but if you want to stay well, there might be some other things to consider. So, you know, even within 15 minutes, you can introduce some of those concepts. Of course, yeah. And you can get people back for more discussions if they want to. Yeah. Um, and I have to say, I just ran late a lot of the time because I couldn't <laughs> contain it. So, you know, again, for me, you know, I, I'm here to serve the person that's, that's with me. And yes. so the time is important because I've got to respect people that are waiting and I won't shut down something that's actually really valuable. So if we're going somewhere it needs to go, then you know I'll, I'll go through that process with somebody. Yeah, absolutely. Mm. Tell me uh, from your perspective, um, you know, I think it's easy to stand on mainstream medicine and, and accuse it of things, you know, i.e. not treating the whole person, not you know, un, uh, addressing underlying dysfunction and, and, and the like. But a lot of the time, of course, it'll always come down to what people are willing and able to, to address themselves, right? Mm. So even though we might get to the basis of a condition, you know, like uh, we might address you know, underlying allergy or we might look at, uh, you know, autoimmunity or whatnot and see there's some adrenal dysfunction, treat the adrenals, and that's treating the cause. But sometimes the cause is much deeper than that that people aren't necessarily comfortable at looking at, um, you know, where does the role of the patient come into all this as far as their own innate healing? Mm. Well, it's, it's primary, isn't it? If you can't engage that, then we don't really get very far. We're just back to symptom treatment. So, yeah, um, I, I guess I just have a really strong belief that the people that come to see me are there for a reason. And yep. they're seeing me as a practitioner because I've got something that they need. Yes. And so I don't sort of let fear get in the way of that. I will, um, I guess, you know, with every person I'll be asking the questions, you know, it's interesting that's happening for you now. What else is happening in your life? That's just a standard question. Yeah. And let's go down that path. And... Yep. Um, I mean, obviously, you need to read body language and get some idea of where they're at. But it's interesting that if you actually ask from a place of, you know, heartfelt concern, people are very happy to go there. And, Mm. you know, it's not often people get given that space. And so it's interesting. And I guess you learn skills over the years of how to actually ask questions in a way. But, yeah, I guess it it is always for me asking those extra questions. And uh, at the end of the day, I'm very much about education. And so it's also about teaching people that there is more to this and that they have control over this and they have some choices. Yeah. And if they really want to become the person they want to be, if they want to have the health they want to have, the relationships that they're looking for, they need to do some work on themselves. They need to understand their motivations, their beliefs, make the changes if they want to. 
and I'm here to support them in that process. And that's always going to be well received, right? When you give a person the ability to look at themselves in a holistic model, when you give people the ability to be heard, which mm-hmm. is important, a lot of people aren't heard these days or don't have people to actually communicate their issues to. So when that comes from uh, you know, a health professional like yourself, mm-hmm. um, sometimes that's the major hurdle in actually allowing the process of healing to begin, right? I think so. It gives people permission to actually go, hmm, I knew there's something going on here, but I haven't known how to look at it or yep. I haven't quite known what it was. Yep. I didn't know where to get the help. And I'm not all things to all people, of course. So I've got, you know, various modalities that I refer to. I've got different practitioners that I would, you know, part of job as a GP is to match people with other practitioners too. And yep. so... You know, knowing more about the story means I can actually then know how to, you know, refer them and how to support them in that process as well. So, yep. yeah, it's good. How's it been for you um, in clinic as far as respect from other GPs who don't go down the integrative line? So uh, just drawing a, a classic example that us naturopaths come up, there's, there's, it's always us versus you. Mm. It's always mm. us first, and there's always that mm. mindset. You won't have a normal GP that will refer to a naturopath. Well, you do. I get lots of referrals, but, you know, there's always those you come across that are just not. Nah, that's rubbish. That doesn't work. Mm. Um, how are you viewed in the fact that you cross that line and you deal with a lot of disciplines that you feel are often necessary to take people through that full healing process? Yeah, look, I guess, I mean, to be honest, like any professional, you actually get your own referral networks over time and that's through lived experience of having referrals and getting feedback from patients and things like that. So, you know, there's a network of people that I am, you know, happy to refer to and, and they will refer back to me. Yep. Um, I guess I've also always been quite diligent in the work that I do. So the referral letters I do are detailed. I provide lots of results. So I give them information and I'm happy to you know be involved in that process. And so yeah. I think that, that actually engenders some respect from people because you know, if you take time and effort and you've actually done it you know from a medical model, which I do as well um, as far as understanding these things, um, then there's a you know there's a degree of respect that comes from that. And so I haven't actively sought that that um, respect. I've just lived my life as I needed to do and done it in a professional way. Yeah. And interestingly, over the years, you start to get more referrals trickling in from other people, um, and or you get um, you, you you don't get I guess you know aggression back to you. But uh, I have to say, there are some times where I have patients come back to me after having seen a specialist, and and they're really upset. You know, they feel as though that they, they weren't heard and that they, you know, what we were doing wasn't understood and was either disparaged or actually actively discouraged. Yeah. And then they come back either feeling confused or upset or angry and quite yep. often angry on my behalf and it has to be like, you know, it's okay, it's fine. Yes. You know, we, we need some information, we've got that information, now we can go forwards, it's okay. And it's really important they don't feel they get caught in the middle. Mm-hmm. Uh, but certainly they can be one of your most powerful allies as well as far as advocating for what works for them. You know, yes. that's all I would ever say to somebody is just speak your truth mm-hmm. and say, look, interesting you think that, but this is what my experience is. Yep. And, you know, that can't be counted. Yeah. That's, that's real. I think it's a common finding with, with specialists. But, you know, it's like I say to my patient base, that's what specialists are there for. You know, yeah. they're very yeah. much A plus B equals C type people. Mm-hmm. And, you know, um, they're not dealing with, uh, what would you say, um, cases where they're aware of the complexity. You know, mm-hmm. if it's a skin mm-hmm. specialist, they're looking at your skin. You know, mm-hmm. if it's an endocrinologist, they're looking at your hormone profiles. Uh, and they're not really that asked the, the greater questions. That is the role of someone like yourself, of course. So, yep. um, you know, I think that there's only so much you can expect from these people. Well, that's right. And, I, you know, of course, they do the best job that they can with the knowledge that they've got. And they're experts in their field. And that's yep. what we're using them for. But you're right. The domain of general practice is is where it comes together. And that's their job. 
Yeah, absolutely. Now, mm-hmm. Kylie, you're a uh, you're a board member of the Australasian Integrative Medicine Society. Mm-hmm. Um, tell us about the society. Uh, when did it come to be, and at what point did people like yourself? Um, I guess, gain the clarity and understanding that it was necessary. Mm. Yeah, well, um, AIMA um, has quite a long history. It's about 26 years now, I think, and it was sort of founded by a group of doctors that were, you know, aligned with the more integrative approach. Yep. Um, and, yeah, so over the years it's, it's um, persisted and um, I, I guess it's been, it's, it's been a labour of love with AIMA in some ways and it's always been run by volunteer board members who have integrative doctors who often have busy practices as well as doing the extra work and so uh, in that sense I've been on the board since 2009 and um, again you know put my hand up for that because it's you know where I'm where I see medicine heading and it's part of what I see my my higher purpose or my my personal life purpose is to help transition the way we do health and So to have a way to, to assist with that is really important to me. Mm. I've always, um, not always, but as a general practice trainee, I also got involved in the sort of medical politics side of things. I was the chairperson for the Registrars Association, the doctors in training. And so that meant I had to communicate with the AMA and with the federal health minister and you know people in positions of power that can actually affect change. And so, yeah. and again, I put my hand up for that because I wanted to be a part of that process of understanding you know, how does the system work? How can we affect change with that? So, yeah. Talking about affecting change, to, to affect change, one has to acknowledge that there's dysfunction, mm, yeah? Mm. Um, is there an acknowledgement of dysfunction out there within the political groups? You know, I think at the end of the day, yes, to a degree, but it always comes back to money. Yep. And so that's actually something that works in our favour to some degree because, you know, the work that, that, that I do and that you do and people in this sphere do is, is really all about prevention, well, it's either about proper recovery rather than just sort of status quo yep. uh, and or it's about prevention and the, the biggest health spend happens at the tertiary end. So it's about people that are sick enough to be in hospital, needing operations, needing chronic care. Um, you know, that's the massive proportion of health dollars are spent at that end. Yes. So the more that we Keeping can save them, alive. Yeah, yep. the more that we can save the dollars as in preventing people get into that stage of unhealth, ill health or if they are unwell, helping to get them back into a state that they're not requiring tertiary care you know, the more health dollars we're saving. So that's always been um, to our advantage. Mm. And so getting that message across is, you know, one, one aspect to, to do. And I think the other thing that's really interesting is that the people that end up being advocates are often ones who have had their own personal experience. And that's just true, isn't it? And yeah. that's either them or a member of their family has had some sort of health crisis and it happens a lot. Yep. And they have either not found that they've got quite where they wanted to with the, the standard medical approach um, or they've um, just had an illness that's not been able to be managed in that sphere. And they've actually gone down the path of looking at nutrition, diet, you know, hormones, supplements, mind, body, Mm. And and had a transformation, and so you know that's true for politicians, like it is for everybody else. So mm. there are people who've been personally touched by a healing experience, yep. and you know that's more powerful than anything. It's funny you say that about uh, these people having to have their own experience first. I actually did a consultation in the car on the way over here this morning mm. uh, with a guy uh, who said to me, you know, um, my mum's really open. You know, my mum's you know using the 
uh, some of the contacts you've given me that's helped me a lot and she's finding um, some really great benefits in her life um, but you know some other people in my life not so much you know they're not they're, they, they won't do it they think it's silly blah 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 and it's funny that you know, I said to him everyone's open it, it's just uh, at the phase at which they become open and generally some people have got to get a bit low first don't they do you know what I mean yeah um, you've got to be able to go through that process of um, you know the physicality going through the treatment of um, simply um, giving symptomatic relief for a condition finding that you know, you're on and off steroids you're on and off things like prednisone you know for you know three four times a year to get to the point where all of a sudden we become open because it's a necessity now in our life you know so uh, I think it's a timing thing for a lot of people it's interesting you say that though about um, those in politics so um, I've got to say it does worry me a bit that the people who are making the calls about what needs to happen at the top end are the ones that need to feel it themselves first mm-hmm. <laughs> it's a bit of a worry isn't it you know but yeah. I mean, they do like, make them all sick. Let's see, we have to undo ourselves in order to remake ourselves. So, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Hey, straight off the um, straight off the AMA website here, it says mm-hmm. that integrative medicine reaffirms the importance of the relationship between practitioner and patient, focuses on the whole person, is informed by evidence, and makes use of all appropriate therapeutic approaches, healthcare professionals, and disciplines to achieve optimal health and healing. It takes into account the physical, psychological, social, and spiritual well-being of the person with the aim of using the most appropriate, safe, and evidence-based treatments available. There's some big key words in there. Doesn't that sound awesome? It's amazing. Yeah, (laughs) that's that's why I put it in my phone. That's why I read it back to you right now. Mm -hmm. I think it... It, it reaffirms the whole position, but yeah. it's funny. I, I look at this and I ask you, at what point did this become relevant? At what point did you know someone? You said twenty six mm. years ago, people decided, hey, we need to get around this. And I'm reading here words like relationships, mm. communication, mm. Uh, the whole person. You know, um, spiritual, physiological, um, psychological well being of the person. And there's some key concepts in there that I think get missed just in in general life. You know, well being, for instance. Um, you're talking about the bulk spend of money goes to people who are you know, near dead in hospitals and it's a process now of survival, which I completely get. But at no point in general practice is there generally uh, you know, a, a pat on the back about the fact that you know, your life's going really well for you and your, your state of health mm-hmm. is in a harmonious position, right? Mm. Um, you know, well-being, I think, is a fairly new age concept uh, you know, where people are, I guess, looking outside the throes of pathology and, and, and the like and understand that dysfunction can exist on other levels. Um, how long is it going to take until this starts to spread through? And you talk tertiary, at what point do doctors become retrained to look at the well-being of their patient, which generally is getting back to the way it used to be, yeah? That's right. We do full circles in life, don't we? Um, yeah, I don't know at what time. All I can say is that um, there's a massive groundswell, you know, so 80% of the population use one or more complementary um, health practices in their in their maintenance of their health. Yes. That the spend on nutritional products and supplements is, you know, almost equivalent to the PBS, the one on, on the you know, pharmaceuticals right. benefits scheme. So, you know, I, I guess that, that there's a, an innate drive from people to want to have health. But I think, I think at the end of the day, it's, it's, it's the thing about we as humans need to be able to take self-responsibility yes. in order to become the people we want to be. And we, we find that hard, you know, let's, let's face it. It's a tricky journey to put a hand up all the time and go, oh yeah, I created that or, oh yeah, you know, I need to make a change here. Mm. And, um, you know, to affect deep change, you have to keep working at it. You yes. have to keep coming back to it. It's not just done. And so, you know, there's no doubt that, you know, some people come and see me and they, they, they still want a pill for a fix. They might want a natural pill, but they still want a pill for a fix. Yeah. 
That's how we're socialised though, isn't it? Yeah, that's right. Well, we're busy. We want to just have it right. And and if things are going along well, we're less motivated to sort of even consciously think about it because we get on with the, 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 you know, the doing of life. Yeah. So I think, you know, a crisis, be it personal or health, you know, relationship, work or health is, is usually the motivator for change for people because mm. until we're at the end of the, end of the rope, we don't always focus on that unless we're choosing to be quite conscious in the way we live life. Yeah. So it comes back to taking responsibility and, you know, that, that's, you know, for any person, including, you know, as a practitioner, you know, taking responsibility for providing the best service that we can. It's a very hard reality for a lot of people, isn't it? You know, mm. sometimes life can be so tough, we can be so down that you're flat out just getting through the day, mm. let alone having to look at what the original wound may have been, what those transgenerational or sociological aspects were that put you to that point to begin with, you know? Yeah, yeah. Um, and I guess for me, like people come in with physical problems generally, you know, that's what they think they'll come and see a doctor for. They've got some physical ailment. Yep. And, um, and for me, that's, you know, that, that's been the doorway to be able to go to the other side of healing, if you like. And, and so they come in with something physical. And so, of course, we need to deal with that. We need to, you know, shift that process for them. Um, but in doing that, you know, there'll be conversations along the way. And as they start to get better and they have more capacity, then we've got a bit more chance to actually go you know, into a bit more of the story around it. Yep. And then I've got, you know, many people actually start to get, you know, really well. And so they might come and see me every four months or six months or maybe even every 12 months. And we do a bit of a, okay, how are you going? You know, what, you know, what are you taking your supplements? What's happening, in your, you know, in your life? Yep. And, uh, yeah, that, that's when we can do a lot of the congratulatory stuff. You know, look what you've done. You know, yep. look how far you've come. And then you can start to look prophylactically, I guess. That's you know, right. That's look it. Back. Exactly. And, and they're more able, more able and capable to do that because they're in a high vibrational state. Well, that's it. And it's often, you know, when we look back on things that we can actually start to really understand the lessons that were there when we're in the midst of it. It's quite hard sometimes, you know, can't see the forest for the trees. Yeah. They're just in survival mode. Yep. And so once we get beyond that space, we can actually go, that's interesting. You know, can you see that there was a pattern that, that might have been the you know, second or third time that's happened for you? Where do we need to go from here so that we've got the resilience to not go down there again? Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Uh, you said the word supplement uh, mm-hmm. a couple of moments ago. Mm-hmm. Um, I know that it's part of the integrative medicine uh, mindset that these things need to be, must be, um, are expected to be by many, um, scientifically validated, scientifically based. Um, I look behind me, you've got, you know, um, zinc, citrate, P5P sitting there and some, it's funny, I walked in here before, went and saw your receptionist and there's a whole bunch of, you know, product that I'd prescribe. <laughs> I didn't see any antibiotic scripts anywhere, not that mm-hmm. I should, of course, mm-hmm. uh, hanging over the front of a counter. Mm-hmm. But um, there is a lot of evidence around these things these days, right? And mm-hmm. there's been a lot of boohooing over the years around complementary medicines and the fact that, you know, this doesn't happen, that doesn't happen. You know, uh, you'll see that, you know, B vitamins are linked to cancer and all of us, you know, someone every now and then will put something out there through. Uh, a journal, you know, a journalist mm. will throw something out there to create mainstream panic with people, and then mm. we get panned pharmaceutical recalls and all sorts of things. Where are we at as far as this efficacy-based level or, or scientific reviewing of supplements goes? I think we're doing really well, to be honest. I think there's a there is a huge amount of research available, um, and often in journals that are around biochemistry and um, you know genetics and other things. So they're not not always sort of the main the straight medical journals. Yeah. Um, which is why lots of doctors have got no idea about it. And we don't you know, generally have a lot of time to go searching for these things. Unless you're interested in it, then you're not going to find it. I go to lots of conferences and that's leading, you know, cutting-edge research. We get people from all over the world come and you know, tell us what they're finding and what they're doing. We're actually starting, you know, we've got two universities now that actually have integrative medicine chairs in the university who are facilitating research um, at the university level. Yep. And... Uh, 
And I think that's awesome. You know, that's a direct response to that challenge of well, where's the evidence. I think, you know, it's interesting because a lot of the evidence around what we use is, is actually available. It's just old. Yeah, You know, right. like we're talking about how do, how do the B vitamins work. So you go back to biochemistry textbooks of 50 years ago and yep. that's where the information is. Yeah, absolutely. How does estrogen work in the body? You know, that goes way back. And so... You know, the research has been done. It's not that it hasn't been done. It's just mm. that it's not cutting edge when you're looking at how a lot of the nutritional things work in the body. But yep. the more we're understanding the genome, the more we're starting to get into the complexity. And that's where the science is really going. Yep. But interesting, there's also in, you know, incredible research at the quantum physics level now and the power of intention and the power of our mind and how... Let's you know, talk about that. Okay. Because <laughs> this interests me. You know, yeah. like quantum physics isn't generally a subject I would hear a doctor even brush, mm. you know, mm. so... Uh, let our, our listeners have a bit of an understanding about what quantum physics is and, and a little bit about, um, you know, um, its influence on us as whole creatures. <laughs> um, not being an expert in it, I guess what I, would, what I would say to that is that, you know, we, we, we have an energy, an energy field around our body which interacts with energy fields of everything else that's an animate or inanimate object. Anything that's made up of molecules has energy associated with it. Absolutely. And, and that's everything, right? It's the chair sitting next to me, thing. it's me, you, it's the computer, every everything. Every single thing. Every yep. single thing that has an atom in it has molecules that are actually vibrating. Maintaining a frequency charge. Maintaining a charge yep. and emanating that charge into the space around it. Yes. And so we are all influenced by that. We influence it ourselves and we're influenced in return. And so that's really, to me, what the quantum physics stuff is about, is mm. that, you know, when, when they've shown that when people observe uh, an observation, uh, an interaction, that actually changes the interaction. So if they're just trying to look at how two molecules might bounce together, mm. if they're looking at them, they do it in one way. If they're not looking at them, they do it another way. So... You know, we, we've got, you know, that's hard science. You know, you can't get past that. That's, you know, that's reality. And it also just, you know, opens opens up the door to the rabbit hole of how much more we don't know. Yeah. And, you know, I've, I've had some people when I've been on different, you know, boards re- representing integrative medicine, it's, you know, or looking at, um, um, you know, addressing what symptoms have been, uh, sorry, what um, health issues are being treated and how appropriately they're being treated. You get questions about, well, where's the evidence around that working? And aside from anecdotal evidence, which of course is still powerful, like it shouldn't be underrated, it's actually incredibly powerful to know that this has worked in this many people Mm. in a consistent way. Um, And traditional medicine is actually, it is rated as, um, you know, a standard of evidence for people. When I say traditional as, um, you know, the the 3,000, 5,000 year old histories, yeah, Yeah. that still has validity. Um, But I often say to people, you know, just because we can't measure it at the moment doesn't mean it doesn't exist. Yeah. You know, we switch on the electricity, you know, you turn a switch on the wall, you no don't think about it. that. Yeah. You turn on, you know, you change your dial of the radio to get a different program, you can't see the radio waves, but there they are. Yeah. Um, you know, there's so many things that we can't physically see and I think it's an absolute limitation of our scientific model at the moment mm. that we try to measure things using what we've got rather than being able to measure things and devise programs and, and ways to actually measure things that we haven't yet been able to do. Based upon the assumption that these things work. Mm. It's funny, I did a podcast with uh, George Dimitriatis, who's a homeopath in mm-hmm. Sydney and, and one of our best homeopaths in the world. And we're talking about um, you know evidence-based aspects around homeopathy. And, and George said in there that until we can come to the premise that it works and then seek to prove that it works we're never going to get anywhere with it in the mm. fact that if we go in with the mindset you know this is all bullshit and it doesn't work well obviously then we're going to seek to prove what we already know that's the mm. whole concept that's going on you know mm. with where we're at um does Ama 
have, I guess, any push or is there being any push about trying to make some more of our complementary medicines, even supplements, like bringing them up into the cutting edge where they need to be now? Like there's money spent, right? There's billions of dollars spent every year on drugs, okay? Mm-hmm. And we know that these compounds are patentable. We know that patents make money and, you know, you know hats off to the pharmaceuticals. They're, they're, they're extremely good at business. Mm-hmm. But at some point, this has got to move past business and it's going to be more about patient health care. I guess my great problem is when I look at uh, websites on integrative medicine, it talks about it being a philosophy of medicine. Mm. And I think that it's really sad mm. that it's a philosophy of medicine mm. because in, in my eyes, it's a reality of life. It's a reality of medicine. It's been happening for you know, thousands of years, as we said. And even when you're starting to talk quantum physics, I'll move slightly off track for that for a moment, but let's let's bring it into uh, modern time. Let's look at acupuncture. Do you know, um, no one really knows how it works yet. There's lots of people out there that will go and stick needles in their bodies and go, "Wow, I feel better," because they've augmented the movement of chi through certain meridian points. You know, it's a it's it's energy medicine at its best, and it works. And people know it works; they have it done. It's not proven, as you said. But we've got thousands of years of empirical data going back through all our you know, eastern countries that show that this stuff works and it works well. People make livings doing it. Homeopaths are exactly the same way. Um, do you believe there's ways these things will, I guess, have the funding or the money put behind them to prove them? Or do we get to the, the case we are right now? Or what's the point of proving something that you can't make money out of? Yeah, I... I... I don't know the answer to that. I guess money drives so many things. So and if there's no money behind it, how can we do the research? But yeah. then, you know, all you need is some good, you know, some good philanthropic approaches. So, yeah. you know, there are people with money yeah. that have had, you know, personal experiences around getting well with these processes. And so we need uh, rich people to come out and throw cash at we, studies. Well, to be honest, we actually do. You know, we <laughs> need foundations. Awesome. I mean, there's a place called the Jacker Foundation and they fund lots of research at the moment. Yeah. And that's just one example. But... Um, yeah, so you know, there's no there's no doubt that if people are motivated and they have some finances behind them, there are ways to create you know foundations that can that can start to do research around these things. Yeah. But I think what we really need to do is have a philosophical shift. <laughs> philosophical again, but we need to have a shift where you know the 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 double blind placebo crossover trial is not God anymore. Absolutely. You know, yep. it's limited in what it can actually achieve. Mm. It's got us a long way, and it has value when you actually got a single thing that you can look at. Yep. But you know, we know that you know. This if you is the start issue, though, look- isn't it? Everything is judged according to double-blind placebo studies and peer-reviewed testing, which is all just telling us more of what we already know in That's many right. ways. That's right. So, I mean, it's a model that was designed because pharmaceuticals can work and be studied in that way. Yes. And, you know, it served a purpose. I mean, let's face it, over the last, you know, 20, 30, 50 years, we've had massive inroads into actually being able to develop medicines Absolutely. that work in a specific way. Yep. Uh, but when we start to look at more natural products, we know they work in synergy. They don't work in isolation. And many drugs, when they actually get onto the market or even perhaps before release, you know, they might have done 10 years of research, but they start using them in a complex, you know, biological system like a human. Yeah. And they realize, oh, damn, if we actually, you know, if we, if we mess over here, if we meddle with this, we've actually disrupted that. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, so I think the, the limitations of that model are really apparent. And yes. I think we're sort of shifting, I hope, out of more of a scientific um, drive. Like we have the Industrial Revolution. We've had a scientific revolution. We'll mm. continue to have science, but we'll start to have more of an energy revolution. Mm. I think we'll be looking more at the quantum physics and energy interactions and the complexities of systems rather than the isolated, you know, single nutrient, single um, drug type system. I'm so pleased to hear you say that. I've mm. also got a science degree. I love science. I'm a mm. man of science. But mm. like I say to a lot of people uh, on and off the record, science lets us down all the time. Uh, and, you know, what we knew to be true 30, 20, 50 years ago is not necessarily true now. Mm. And well, I'm 
science is consistently an evolving process in itself. And I think that within science, it needs to evolve in order to be, I guess, holistic in its own right. You know? Well, that's interesting, isn't it? Because you know, the absolute premise of science is to have an open mind. Yeah. It actually is. And yet those who are so vehemently opposed to natural approaches are very closed-minded mm. because there is evidence. They're yeah. just not looking for it. You can put it in front of them and they'll still try and disparage it. So, yeah. you know, many of the... You know, many of the, the articles that get, um, you know, bagged as far as looking at, you know, vitamin E in, you know, use of, of you know, um, preventing for heart disease and, and using yep. cancers and stuff. They've used synthetic versions of it. It's not the natural form. Yeah, the it hasn't got, form. Yep. Yeah, it doesn't have all those other components. Antioxidants work in families, not in isolation. So there's so yep. many things that were wrong with the model that they set up. Yes. And so, yes, it failed. And, of course, it would fail because it's not actually looking at the right system. Mm. So, you know, I think bad research is actually more harmful than, than no research. Yes. And, um, yeah, so it's about, you know, trying to find the right tools. But at the end of the day, you know, the, the, the classic thing is that, you know, you, you know that a parachute works. You're going to do a, a double-blind crossover placebo trial, yeah. you know, jumping just out of a plane with a parachute or without a parachute. You know, yeah. like it's just there's ridiculousness that comes sometimes into the picture. Yeah. And it's like, you know, let's just cut the crap and let's just get back to, okay, this has worked in this number of people. Uh, we always look at safety. So again, you know, doctors like me have to be making sure we're using safe, effective and evidence-based, you know, approaches as best we can. Sure. And, you know, if we look at actual safety and incidence of problems, you know, it's minuscule when you come to looking at natural health therapies. Like they're safe, you know, for, for general consumption, provided there's some guidance. And if you go to higher levels, of course, you need to get some professional input. But if we look at the, you know, the, the problems of, you know, using natural approaches versus using pharmaceuticals and or being in hospital, hospital is one of the most dangerous places that you can be. Yeah. So, thousands you know, it's, and thousands and thousands of deaths a year. Absolutely. So it's, yeah, you don't want to be in hospital unless you really have to be and mistakes yeah. get made because it's people that are in there and it's not machines. It's people, that's right. So, you know, there's, there's many different aspects to that, you know, the confrontation between this, you know, this approach versus that approach. And I just come back to the person in front of me. What does mm. this person need? What best serves this person? And let's go down that path. And I do that in an informed way. I'll yes. give them the information. You know, we've got this approach here. We've got this approach here. Yep. And these are the pros and cons each way. We can do both. We can do one. We can do the other. We can change later. Whatever you need to do, what do you feel comfortable trying at this stage. So you're putting the patient in the driver's seat though. I'm putting the patient in the driver's seat, but it's, you know, as um, with information that's informed. Of course. Yeah, it's still so guided. It's still guided. It's still giving them good advice, but it's providing them with an, an option to be engaged in the process. And they're feeling comfortable when and, they leave your room. And they understand why they might be trying that thing as well. So, you know, how does this work in my body and what can I expect to see? Mm. And, uh, and then we touch base around that and see how that's been going. So of the, of the doctors who are becoming integrative practitioners or what we call holistic mm -hmm. GPs these mm -hmm. days, mm -hmm. um, what are you finding most? Are you finding that you're getting um, more people who are disgruntled, I guess, or are open-minded, changing their viewpoint, that are wanting to cross over? Or are you finding that you're getting a whole bunch of the newbies that are coming out um, who, I guess, have broader minds, uh, more access to information. The information you said has been there, but it's lost. It's a great throughout the internet these days too. It's made it available to us. Um, who, who's becoming an integrative practitioner? Um, yeah, I think, I think... And is it frowned upon? Uh -huh. Well, we're working very hard in the background to create pathways for training yep. and to get some modules into medical schools um, or certainly into uh, general practice training. At the end of the day, it would be nice to have an integrative clinic in every outpatient's uh, area in, in public hospitals. So yep. you know, the vision that AIMA has as far as what's possible, 
is is big and that can affect change in a powerful way for those that are interested in it. You know, of course, we don't need everybody to be doing that. No, of course not. We'd like, we'd like them to be, but, you know, we just need that to be an accepted part of the, the healing process. So... So we'll see. Um, I think I think the internet has made a massive difference because people are more informed these days. Yep. Um, it's still a mixed bag, to be honest, because when you go through medicine, it's a peer, um, it's a peer-reviewed process. You know, to actually get signed off on your placements, you need to have you know towed the party line and done what needs to be done. Yep. And you know the, the consultants are the ones that say yay or nay as to whether you get through. So you have to jump through hoops. Yep. And um, you know, in the, and even beyond that, to actually then get you know further positions in training programs and to exit training programs, uh, you know, there's a massive, a, a, a massive barrier, I suppose, to doing things differently. Mm. You actually have to do things the same. So innovation's pretty tricky in yes. that space. Um, Once they've played the game, though, are we finding mm-hmm. more of these people who are coming out now? I guess having to be interested in this because their patient base is demanding it. That's what I'm seeing. I'm seeing patients now driving the need for integrative practitioners, not necessarily the practitioner themselves. I think that's true. I think... Um, I mean, so part of what I'm interested in actually personally doing now is actually um, mentoring doctors who are interested in starting to bring more of this into their practice. So they're already practicing. Yes. And my, my suspicion is that there's plenty of people that are getting bored in what they're doing. Mm. They're feeling frustrated because, you know, we know that chronic disease is you know, probably 90% of the burden of, of disease now. Mm. And uh, modern medicine is all about acute practice generally. You know, if you can fix a bone or you can fix the heart or you can do this, but the lifestyle medicine is not fit that model well. So, you know, in the, in the space of, you know, a, a decade or two, we've come to a point where we've only gone so far, not yeah. as far as we expected we could go using pharmaceuticals. And, uh, you know, to be satisfied in our work, I think there's going to be a whole lot of people out there that are going, you know what, there must be more to it than this. Mm. This person's coming in every six weeks with their you know, upper respiratory tract infection and I don't know how to help them. Yep. How do I get their immune system to work more efficiently? How do I address these problems? Um, or, you know, they've got their lifestyle illnesses. So I think there's a, the, the experience of finding that the model doesn't work very yep. efficiently is yep. perhaps a motivator rather than coming out sort of bright-eyed and bushy-tailed thinking it's all great mm. until you land in the chair and have to start working with people mm. and you have, <laughs> you have a responsibility to actually, you know, get, a spanner in the works, get them it? well and you say, hmm, actually I can see this is not really very effective or it's not as effective as it It must be frustrating be. for them, right? Because I know if I'm that doctor, I'd rather just be, you know, stitching up heads mm-hmm. and things during the day because it's, it's mm-hmm. A, what I'm trained in, it's B, what I'm confident at and mm-hmm. C, you know, I'm, I'm doing a good job and I'm pleased, you know, you talk about higher purpose, right? These mm-hmm. people have higher purpose as well mm-hmm. of wanting to mm-hmm. help people. That's why they trained how they trained. So I'd imagine it would have to be coming in increasingly frustrating for GPs to have people coming in with conditions like fibromyalgia and coming in with things like chronic fatigue syndrome and coming in with things like Crohn's disease and conditions that they probably weren't even really mm-hmm. trained in yeah. uh, and there's not really too much that you can address with through mm-hmm. medicine. That's um, right. And I think they're the mainstay of what you know what we do see in integrative practices is, you know, people who are tired all the time, people yeah. who have got irritable bowel, people yep. who've got chronic fatigue, people who've got terrible allergies or terrible skin conditions. And medicine has, you know, limited tools uh, to try and help with that. Yep. And uh, yes, I think there's, you know, lots of people can be frustrated in that process. So my, my dream is that uh, I'll be able to reach out and find uh, doctors who are not wanting to give up medicine at, at all, but they're not feeling fulfilled in the process. And they know there's more to it. Yes. And to give them ways to blend some of these approaches into their practice. So they feel fulfilled. They can actually serve their patients better. And we start to get that transition happening. How and what does a doctor need to do 
to retrain as an integrative GP? Yeah, so there's there's a number. There's a place called the Australia Australasian College of Nutritional and Environmental Medicine, mm-hmm. which is ACNEM. Yep. They run training programs for, for GPs, but also for all doctors, actually, and also other practitioners. So that's, um, at the moment, that's one of the better places to go. Yep. There are numerous conferences that are run all year around uh, full of great information so people can just sort of dip their toe in the water by you know going to a conference often they're sponsored by you know the, the nutraceutical companies biceuticals metagenics yep. um, but they do bring world experts out and they're very very informative so you know just doing a three-day conference can be a good way to start yeah um, there are you know you can actually go and study through endeavor college if people want to to actually go through nutritional medicine in that way uh, we're working, as I said, um, AMA and, and ACNEM are working closely together to actually really start to define a pathway that's formally defined as far as here's an end point rather than just dabbling with this and with that. Yep. At the moment... That, that's an issue, right? Doctors dabbling in stuff that they're probably not properly trained in. Absolutely. Like yep. I, you know, things like acupuncture and, you know, I, I personally I just don't, I, I don't go down that pathway because I know that the true system is incredibly complicated. Absolutely. And to learn that is another whole six years if you want to do it justice and mm. do a proper pathway and... Um, I respect the body enough and the, and the energy systems enough not to not to dabble in those fields. Yeah. So, but that said and done, I think we can learn some pretty basic things about you know how to use vitamin C and zinc and other things when the immune system's depleted, and that's that's okay to learn, you know, and to start to apply. I think and that's safe again, enough to do. Once again, things where there's data, like zinc's a good example, right? Seventy yeah. percent of people are zinc deficient. Mm-hmm. You know, like it's 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 there. Mm-hmm. One in three people's vitamin D deficient. You yeah. know, eighty yeah. percent of people are magnesium deficient. It's the the data is there, the evidence is there, and I think you that's know, it. There's baseline baseline balancing that we can be doing because our soils are depleted because our lives are so demanding because there's chemicals that we're processing every single moment even if we're living a fairly clean life you can't get away from them these days so you know what our body needs is is a lot of extra support at the moment Mm. and I think those basics can be taught and they can be learnt and they can be applied in a safe and effective manner without having to revolutionize the whole world and, and you know make people you know, stop their practice and go and study. They can yep. be learning that as they go, and they can be applying that as they go. Hundred percent. And, and I'm, yeah. look, I'm a massive advocate for the fact that it doesn't it doesn't need a 180 shift. Mm-hmm. Do you know what mm-hmm. I mean? It doesn't mm-hmm. it doesn't require that at all. How much nutrition is taught to a doctor at uni? Very very little. Mm. Very very little. Which is alarming, right? Because it's it's, you know, it's frightening. I've said to people, it's like it's like you know, a mechanic not knowing you know, uh, carburetors. <laughs> it's absolutely. <laughs> it just doesn't make sense. Yeah yeah. And, uh, you know, there was a review, you know, some months ago looking at, you know, what private health um, funds would be allowed to offer rebates towards um, with regards to things like massage and um, chiropractic and, well, not chiropractic, um, various different modalities anyway. But it was interesting because biochemistry was one of the things on the list that they thought that should not be rebated for. And I just go, how can you say that that's literally how our cells function, mm. how is that not relevant to health? Mm. You know, like it's astonishing yep. that if it wasn't about um, disease, pathology, drugs, surgery, it was not considered to have validity. Yes. And it's like we won't be alive to even have, you know, drugs and surgery if we don't look after the other aspects. Mm. So we just get taught so little about it and certainly we don't get taught anything about advising around dietary you know, proper dietary interventions, you know, we get told about, you know, eat less, move more, which, you know, obesity is such a problem at the moment. But, mm. you know, the understanding we have on how to shift that is, is very, very surface level poor. And, yeah. and often, to be honest, often it's quite wrong. You know, people get told to have low-fat diets to lower their cholesterol. That's they get right. told nothing about cutting out the carbs and getting their insulin down and getting yeah. their liver to work properly. And, 
you know, they miss the boat all the time. I'm on still that. yet to find a general GP that'll even check insulin in a blood test. Yeah, it's, you know, it's, it's interesting. It's not even looked at, or, or, or I'll ask for a reverse T3 test, and yeah. you know, they won't know what it is, or a homocysteine test, and it's yeah. the same thing. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, which I, I think is an issue. Um, and this is where I think, and, and I'm grateful for mm-hmm. people like Ama who are out mm-hmm. there um, trying to change this, trying yes. to get some of this stuff taught into general practice. Because as frustrating as it is for us, uh, it's got to be frustrating. And I want to say us, I mean consumers, not. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Not practitioners. Um, it's got to be uh, frustrating for the doctors. And it's funny how people are getting a lot of information elsewhere, i.e., the internet and yes. other practitioners now. And it gives people the shits mm-hmm. when their doctor doesn't seem to know what they know, you know? I think that's absolutely true. And, and it's, it's tricky, isn't it? Because the therapeutic relationship is so important. Mm. And if people come in, they truly want the doctor or their practitioner to be an ally for them. And yep. they don't want them to be someone who's actually arguing against them. It's yes. like, here's the information that really feels like it fits for me. I really want to look at this. And they get shut down. I mean, that's not therapeutic at all. Mm. Um, but I think it comes back to pretty complex psychology, you know, like over the you know, doctors are perceived as being, you know, experts and um, if somebody comes to them for information and they actually don't know something mm. about that, it can be quite uncomfortable for them psychologically. Absolutely and I think is. unconsciously they will um, sort of shut that down because they don't know how to be in that space and to not have the information. Mm. And uh, so it's sort of a protective mechanism that comes in. If I don't know about it, it can't be so. Yeah. And, I mean, that's a ridiculous assumption to be making. Well, it's and an ego flair, isn't it? You it know, is, it happen, is. It happens to the best of us. Well, that's it. And if it worked, <laughs> it would be a standard part of medicine. That's a you know thing I often do here is that, you know, if, if an evidence-based natural therapy is effective, yep. it should just be called medicine. Yeah. It shouldn't be called alternative or complementary. And it's <laughs> like, well, I'm happy to change that term. Are you? Yeah. You know? And, and you know what? Therein lies all the issues. And I'll use, like, St. John's Ward as a good example. You know, doctors will, or well, some doctors that, that sort of work that holistic line will kind of swap it out as like an SSRI replacement mm-hmm. rather than, you know, mm-hmm. Prozac or, you know, mm-hmm. whatever else they might prescribe beforehand. And it's kind of like this swap in, swap out of like natural for pharmaceutical. The 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 premise of holism mm-hmm. needs to be taught, mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. I think to try to treat people naturally, it misses the point, you know. I think I yeah, absolutely agree with you and I think that there can be that tendency is that we – we get caught up in symptoms, whichever sort of practitioner we are, and we get you know caught up in trying to have a, a simple model that fixes it. Yeah. Um, but we know that the symptom is just an expression of something that's much bigger and much greater than that. And yep. you know, we, we were talking earlier about um, you know that the physicality sort of comes last. You know, manifesting a physical symptom comes Absolutely. after there's been disorder, disease, distress in the in the body, yep. and then something goes wrong. So you know, if we don't tap into those causes behind it then we haven't resolved the problem at all. I really fear, Kylie, that the premise of holism will always be squashed. And the reason why I fear that is that I think that for mainstream medicine to accept holism, it would mean they would have to almost admit that we've been doing it wrong to this point. I think I think that which think is a hard thing, you know. Mm-hmm. And and I get it. It's it's all well and good. You talk about you know like lowering your fat for mm-hmm. you know pulling your cholesterol down. Well, you know we have that National Heart Foundation tick right where if they mm-hmm. start sticking up a, a building in every major city and employing two hundred staff in each place, you've got twelve hundred staff that lose their jobs if people start admitting that hey you know we fucked up thirty years ago, mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. So uh, I I understand that when um, things are in place, they're harder to shift. Mm-hmm. But when things don't shift that have been deemed inappropriate and you've got practitioners out there screaming that, hey, we're not getting the results, uh, the only people that suffer long-term are the patients, which is why we're all here, right? Yeah, I think that's true. And, 
Yeah, that said and done, we can't be too disheartened because people can access the care that they need at this Absolutely. stage. They are forking out their own money for it. Yes. And if we're, if we're taking personal responsibility and we're spending our personal dollars on something, then we still have control over that side of things. So yeah, for sure. I'd always encourage people to, to you know, seek out the practitioners that they need to. Yep. And if they have to be on a waiting list, so be it. You know, but you know, hang in there, get to see the people you can, need, you can see and take yep. responsibility for your own health. And that brings me to my, my very next question. Where, where do people find good integrative practitioners? Is the AMA website a good place to start? Does that have like a directory of people in your area that you could see to have a different conversation? Uh, yes and no. Um, so, yes, AMA is a good... They can email AMA and we can help them with that process. Yep. Um, we just... We've had a database, but it was not working very efficiently. So rather than have that being frustrating, we've taken it down and we're fixing that at the moment. Yep. Uh, the ACNEM website, a, so that's www.acnem.org, uh, has a link on there, Find a Practitioner. Mm-hmm. And then that splits that into states, and that lists not just doctors, but they can they have lists there of other people who've trained with ACNEM as well. Yep. Uh, and you can see what their interests are, and you can contact them. The reality is that there are not enough of us. There's a massive demand, yep. and uh, you know, I've, yeah, we, we're always having to have waiting lists or turn people away, which is really really sad. I'd love to be able to see them all, but we only have so many hours in the day that we can do that. But what I would say to people is that if they're interested in integrative medicine, that's fantastic. Get on a waiting list, hang out for it. But in the meantime, go and seek out well-qualified naturopaths. Go and seek out, you know, nutritionists and integrative practitioners that are non-doctors. Mm. And, you know, you can get your health 90% on track, if not 100% on track, by doing all of those things. Like, yep. Really, we only need to be the experts, if you like that term, that can do the things that can't be done uh, just in in, in um, depth in, pathology and these sorts exactly. of things. Exactly. Yep. So the, yep. the the different tests or sometimes the complexities we have to blend the medical approach with the other approaches. Uh, so there there are you know the things that I can offer and in in Australia working with hormones is really the domain of doctors. You're not allowed to prescribe hormones if you're not a doctor in That's Australia. Right. Yep. So you know I do the complex chemistry work. I do the the hormone work. I do I do the mind body work because it's my passion and my belief. Um, and you know each practitioner brings their own uniqueness to what they do. And mm. as I said, I believe that the right people come to the right practitioner. So you've got to keep seeking out the people that you feel called to. And you know, word of mouth is how all of this actually happens. You yeah, know. all you good stuff does, to, right? Absolutely. You just <laughs> have to ask around if you've got an issue. You know, if you've got to be willing to be open enough to say, "Look, I'm actually struggling with this at the moment. Yep. Do you know anybody?" And and you know what? You know how many degrees of separation there is. You know, before you've spoken to two or three people, you would have had, you know, a number of good referrals. Mm. So, be proactive. Take responsibility. You know, seize the day, get on with it, is what I would say. And what I'd like to say to our listeners, um, my big takeaway, and I, I, I love the fact that you brought it up, Kylie, is self-responsibility. Because I find that um, when people do take self-responsibility, they will seek people out, right? You get to a point, and I'm a classic for I'm like a dog with a bone. You know, mm. if I feel a certain way and I need an outcome, mm. uh, I will scour the earth to find it, you know? Mm. I think a lot of people, they get caught up in their, their state of woe, get caught up in their state of dysfunction, or, or accept their state of dysfunction, which becomes a disappointing reality for them in their life. Uh, it gets too big for them. And mm. sometimes you talk things like fatigue. Um, you know, I had chronic fatigue syndrome for five years after um, Epstein-Barr, which wasn't very pleasant. But I know when you get low that it's very difficult um, to have the oomph, to have that energy it takes to actually get the drive, get the desire to find the people, you know? Yeah, and often yeah. these people are low, uh, they're fatigued, they haven't worked much, they don't have much money. 
um, you brought up the topic of supply and demand, and this is the problem with great practitioners, medical or non-medical, non-medical is that you know with with demand goes an increase in financial um, mm-hmm. input, and a lot of these people can't afford that outcome, um, which also becomes an issue because it pushes them back into the general bulk billing GP that can't help them the way they need to be helped. You know, you'd be I hear that, and I I do have sympathy in that that regard, and I'm also amazed and proud of the people that despite all those you know those challenges they've often been seeing a naturopath for some time before they see me they've been yep. taking supplements and they find you know they, they make that a priority and they do do that um that said and done i i have a vision and i'd love again you know if you philanthropic money why can't we have a foundation that can help people in this situation you mm-hmm. know i'd love there to be a, a sort of a, a process of application where people can actually you know put their case forward and mm-hmm. you know discuss what they'd like to see as their outcomes it's my prime goal in life Kylie. yeah yeah maybe we can do it maybe we can do it <laughs> seriously no i'm serious though I've, I've said this for years there needs to be at least a facility in in major cities that allow people who i don't know what that necessarily would look like whether it's like healthcare cards or, or whether it's you know like letters of application like you say or whatever, but people who don't have access to you know, what I would consider functional medicine, mm. uh, I don't like the word alternate. Uh, mm. I find it mm. a kick in the in the guts. But mm. to 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 look at uh, at functional medicine um, in a way where they pay what they can afford. Um, they get supplements at discounted prices. I know you piss people off doing this, but you know I think that at some point, those of us who are in this for the right reason need to you know look at the fact that if it's not available to all, uh, what have we really achieved? Mm. Yeah, hundred uh, percent. Otherwise, we're just running a professional clinic. We're making money. We go home. We do our thing. But what well, you talk about things like life purpose, mm. and that mm. is my life purpose. Yeah, I'm hundred yeah. percent with you there. So, so you know, yeah. maybe, maybe, maybe if enough of us put our heads together, maybe there's ways of doing it. And you know, it's funny you say about. Uh, people with cash because you're right there's a lot of people out there lonely flat um, you know um, Mm. whatever in their life who have got millions and millions I see it on TV all the time they leave their money to their dog or something Mm. (laughs) or Mm. stick all their money to the RSPCA which is cool because animals need love and help too but uh, I think that um, you know for people listening to this podcast, seriously, guys, if you know people, if you can make this happen, I will give my time for free to make it happen because there's a lot of us prackies out there uh, who are willing and able to help people who would give their time for free but can't necessarily give their their other resources as well because we either don't have it or don't want to spare it yeah. on all the other. But I think and, that's a, a big one. Well, that's it. And I think for me in that model, it still comes back to the responsibility thing. Of course. For people to really value, they have to have a co-contribution. 100%. So looking at that and you know, being a bit of a business person, you looking at key performance indicators as well like there has yeah. to be a, you know a bit of a contract or agreement that yep. this is what we're going to focus on this is your responsibility to do these steps yep. you continue to work along those steps and we can continue to work together because i think that's about empowering people to know that they you know they are affecting the change they're Definitely. not handing their power over to somebody else to fix them they are fixing themselves and so. i'm not i'm not talking free uh, my mum told me when i was very young you know you don't do anything for free no one values free but i think it's about affordability some sort of affordability index you know I think so. and um, and even like with supplements you know there's a lot of companies out there who i know would probably get on board and make these things available at, at uh, you know mm. reduced rates not free mm. but yeah the self responsibility is important because when you talk about people that uh, you know may have been seeing a naturopath before they saw you, you know, um, you know, they they might have had to give up smoking in order to 
get the money to make that happen, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, or they may have had to, you know, not spend their money on that pair of jeans in order mm-hmm. to be able to make it happen. That is, mm-hmm. that, that's the reality of it, isn't it? Do you know what I mean? It is. If, every, yeah. Everyone has ability to some degree, and, and most brackies I know will do some pro, pro bono work to a degree with people. And, you know, if you are out there and you are struggling and you need to access um, a more holistic approach, guys, you know, my suggestion is uh, reach out because... Uh, it's funny how much people are generally willing to give at least something of themselves, I find, mm. um, which is a cool thing. But Kylie, you know what? It's been really good talking to you. I know in um, 12 minutes you've got your first patient for the day, so we will love you and leave you. Have you got any um, sort of passing remarks or are you happy to finish on self-responsibility? <laughs> no, look, it is all about self-responsibility, but you know what? I'll just put it out there. It all comes back down to self-love. Yeah. You know, if that's really where we need to go is, you know, how much do you love yourself and yeah. how much do you love those around you? And it is about connection. It is about living consciously. It is about, you know, living a footprint on the planet that you're proud of. So yeah. let's do that. I love it. Thank you very much, Kylie. Good on you guys. I hope you're having a great day wherever you are. And we'll see you next week on Caravan Conversations. Thank you for listening to this episode of Caravan Conversations, proudly produced by PSE Supplements. To see more about the podcast, including notes from the episode, please visit caravanconversations.com.